Jeff, welcome to the Protectors. I love just hitting record and and chatting. Now yeah. we are jumping into a new realm. We're jumping into Dark Intercept, <laughs> a Shepherd series novel. Um, I, I kind of like the premise of it as something different. Why jump into this genre? What what's the difference between this and 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 your your main protagonist from the other books? Great question. Well, I think. Yeah, it is. It is a good question, and I, you know, it's actually two questions because there's the question of the subgenre as well as as well as the characters and how that fits into it. And uh, maybe I'll talk about the subgenre and let and let Brian talk about our character because we've definitely fallen in love with all the characters in this series. Um, you know, for us, it we didn't feel as much as we like we were going into a new genre or even a new subgenre. So much as we felt like we were taking our brand and just adding another layer to it, if that makes sense. You know, we've we've always written these books about um, military special operations characters, covert operations situations. We put them in all kinds of crazy situations, as you know, like poor John Dempsey. We feel a little guilty, actually, <laughs> all that we've done to that poor man. But, um, you know, we've always tried to do that gritty, realistic, you know, based on the people that we've served with, based on the people that we know. What we did in this series, the Shepherd series, I feel or we feel is that we just sort of added another layer. So in addition to, you know, having realistic relationships and realistic action and, and that sort of thing, we added this layer of faith, this layer that is so common in the military of people that have served and fought like you and I have talked about privately, um, that your faith gets really rattled when you serve in wartime. You see things, you do things that you can't unsee and can't undo, and it has an impact on your faith. And so we set out saying, wouldn't it be interesting if we had a character, a Navy SEAL character like some of the other folks we've written, but this guy maybe has got this other aspect of both a crisis in his faith and be able to weave some spiritual warfare elements, talk about the nature of good and evil. Jason, you know, you and I have talked before about some of the things we saw downrange that make it impossible not to believe that there's real evil out there, not just bad people, but real evil. So that was what we set out to bring to this book, I think, and to the series, just add that layer. Are we looking, are we talking like real evil, like spiritual, like, you know, ghosts and demons or what are we talking about here? We're talking about good and evil. We're talking about trying to define that nature. And what's fun is that we don't answer that question definitively because we're seeing this through the eyes of our character and we're on the journey with him. And so he also isn't sure what he believes. You know, um, you think about the, um, that warrior instinct, right? Your spidey sense that tells you go left when you really were planning on going right and you do, and it all works out. Those sorts of things are what we address, but we try to figure out if perhaps there's something more than just intuition involved in those things. Maybe there's a higher power guiding, directing, and protecting us. And then, like I said, addressing the issue of where real evil comes from. That really kind of kicks it in there. Cause it, I didn't know too much about the book. I didn't read the book yet. I will read this book and you guys both know I've got stacks of books I got to get yes. to, but when it comes to faith and when it comes to these, uh, crisis, crisis of character, crisis of conflict, internal strife, I love it. 
Um, but when I first picked that up, I was thinking like uh, the old Schwarzenegger book or movie, End of Days, you know, where it's like <laughs> a real, you know, he's going after the devil or um, Denzel Washington when he was fallen, one of his old school movies. Oh, where there's like possessions. Yeah. So we're, what we're doing is we're, we're looking at, you know, really good versus evil. And we're looking at it, but at a different perspective. And like you said, the military, both of you know that. The, one of the first things you pick up is, or one of the first things you do, you reach for when you start getting into this crisis mode is faith. So, Brian, this is a little, little different for you, too. I mean, yeah. Jeff is very outspoken, uh, and you're jumping in here in this genre, and I like this. Yeah, no, thanks. I, it's been a journey for me working on this book with Jeff, and I knew it was something he was very passionate about, something I was interested in exploring, too, and you know, you had asked about, you know, how is obviously the spiritual warfare component, the supernatural component is new. And we talk about um, in the tier one series, we like to talk about the layers of the onion. You know, so John Dempsey, he's this operator. And as he gets recruited into Ember and he starts doing covert operations, he's peeling back the layers of the onion. And every layer he learns a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit deeper down the rabbit hole. And we sort of looked at this as, you know, it's it's one more layer of uh, something going on out there, you know, is it really just bad people? Like was Hitler just a psychopath or was there evil forces at play? You know, sometimes it seems like to conduct such tremendous evil, it has to be more than just one person's malevolence. And that's one of the themes that we're sort of playing around with here. So, you know, Jedediah, our hero, he's an operator and he's sort of spent his whole life trying to pretend that that's not there because it makes him uncomfortable. And uh, in this book, he, he sort of has no choice but to peel back that layer. And when he does, uh, he, he's in a new world that he's pretty uncomfortable with. Kind of, get, I'm getting his Constantine vibe too. There's a, yeah, I'd like that. You know, yeah. Um, the thing is too, is, you know, when we listen and we, we listen to the books, read the books, you always have an antagonist. And a lot of times the antagonist backstory is something that it kind of draws them into why they are doing what they're doing. And it's not all the times it's not clear cut black and white, good versus evil. I want to see a very true evil character. So that is another reason to pick this book up. I want to see someone that's driven solely by evil. Is that what I'm going to expect from this book? Well, there are no sympathetic antagonists, really. Would you say, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Maybe I mean, you're, you're definitely there's one there's one character in there you're gonna find that that meets that standard, I think. What yeah. what do you think, Brian? <laughs> yeah, the, 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 this book is different. This series is different than the others. We we really do try to paint a longitudinal story of our antagonists. We've talked about on the show before that you know the angels and demons sort of premise that you know every every bad guy's a hero hero of his or her own story. Uh, but in in the series, the bad guys are pretty bad, and there's not much heroic <laughs> about them. You know, if anything makes a good movie, this might be it. You know, this might, <laughs> might be, be it. So, uh, Antoine Fuqua, if you're out there, maybe we got a a good solid character. Maybe Denzel will take on this one, or the young Denzel. What's his uh, son's name? He's out there playing all over the place, Tenet and all this. Other, you know, if oh, you guys yeah. ever heard of the IMDb Internet Movie Database, you're kind of looking at them. So if anybody ever needs to find a good actor for their movie, just tell me and I'll know. After I read this, I'm going to pick out an actor 
Let's okay. fill the role. That's cool. This, this protagonist, is he one of these, um, what's his backstory? Is it going to be like, a, are we looking at the same type of uh, Dempsey type character where he's doing a single cell type thing? Are we looking kind of like a chunk where he's doing like regular soft type activity? Does that make sense? Well, this guy, yeah, it makes it makes sense, it, and it's sort of a twofold question because you got to sort of understand the nature of Jed before you can understand his journey. So, um, one of the main differences between Jed and and Dempsey, and even Chunk uh, to an extent, it, you know, Dem in Dempsey we have that very classic hero's journey: the dark, troubled past, and lost his team, and loses his family and his marriage because of this. And he's solely focused on this, this goal. You know, Brian likes to say uh, the Dempsey is sort of at the top of his game, right? Like you meet him at the top of his game and he only goes up from there. Chunk, same thing, right? Like he just took over the tier one seal team. He's a, a, a seal officer leading the best men into combat. He's at the, he's at his pinnacle in Jed. We open this book with a, with a man who is, quite the opposite of that. He suffered a catastrophic injury on an operation uh, overseas. He has fought his way back, but he's not the man he was physically, emotionally, spiritually. We introduce the idea that something happened that you don't learn about clearly until late in the book, almost at the end. Something happened in his past in high school that drove him in a different direction. Uh, Something, an encounter with true evil that just shook him. He was a man, a young man who wanted to go into ministry, become a youth pastor and, you know, marry the girl of his dreams. And after this, his whole life changed. And he went off, left his family, left his girlfriend, left his home, then became a SEAL operator and sort of tried to escape from that whole world. But now he has to go back to it because this girl has been kidnapped and um, he's asked to come and, and help in some way. So very different backstory, very let different me, uh, character. Yeah, let's let's uh, read this back. This is a lot different than than what people would expect from your kind of like your niche, your niche. <laughs> and I like this. This is really this gripping right here. Listen to this. Let me get my radio voice going. On the eve of his medical retirement, Navy SEAL Jedediah Johnson receives a frantic call from his estranged childhood best friend, David Yarnell. David's daughter has been kidnapped off the streets of Nashville in broad daylight. The police have no suspects and no leads. The only clue, the body of a dead priest left behind at the scene. With the clock ticking, David is growing desperate, as is his wife, Rachel. Jed's first love. It's cool. I'm, I'm getting into this whole murder mystery type thriller here. This isn't going to be like going after some Johnny Jihad over in uh, Krakanistan. It's, this is domestic. This is right. Nashville. Yeah, this very is different, very different enemy. Yep. Yeah, and this is like like Jeff was saying, Jed is a character who is instantly relatable because we all have those moments in our past where we look back and say, you know, if I could have done XYZ over, I would do it over again. Or if I could have said yes when I said no, or if I could have made a different decision, or if I would have handled this situation differently, how would my life have turned out? And Jed is the poster boy for for that sort of regret and feeling. So we all feel that. And now it's come full circle for him. He has no choice but to go back and confront his demons, both metaphorically and literally (laughs) in this story. (laughs) And uh, that's really fun for us to put poor Jed uh, in this situation. 
Okay, you're killing me with this anticipation. I got to read it and find out if we're looking at true demons now. Mm. So another part of the, the question that you asked, uh, and that's something that the, the three will decide for themselves, right? And that's one of the things that makes it kind of fun um, because we don't we don't set out to make this book a, a teachable moment or teach a reader a lesson or explain something to them. This is an Andrews and Wilson book. It's an adventure. It's exciting. There's tons of action. Um, but we put that layer in so that maybe at the end it, it does make you pause and, and ponder some things. Um, but you had asked about the, um, you know, is it a SEAL team versus a, you know, out there on your own like Dempsey has sort of been doing in the last couple of books. Um, and that sort of goes to the heart of the what if question we asked for this book. You know, the premise and, and it's, we have to tread lightly here because book one here is a real it's almost like a prologue for the series. You know, you don't learn through Jed about what the shepherds, the name of the series, is until the very end of the book. And so we don't want to give any spoilers for that. Um, you got to wait to April when Dark Angel book two comes out before you really get to to uncover all the answers. But but the premise that we started with here, Jason, was what if, you know, if we if we throw out the premise that there's really good and you know really good and really evil that there are two forces working in the background quietly affecting world events and people then the what if question that we came up with that was super fun was what if that being true there's an organization that's been around for hundreds of years whose job it is to work behind the scenes in the deep dark shadows covertly fighting those evil forces that affect the direction of mankind, both as individuals and as a society, what would that look like? And so I don't want to say much more about the shepherds than that, because it would be a spoiler for the books. But um, that was the what if question we started with. Uh, and you'll get to see on the ride exactly where we ended up with that. Ah, it's starting to make sense here. It's starting to make <laughs> sense. It's a shepherds series novel. Uh, you know what? I, I'm sorry, Toby. I'm supposed to be reading Toby's book this weekend, but I might have to read a little <laughs> two books because I, I I need I need something new. I need double fisting. Two books. It's tough, tough is, man. It's tough. This is definitely new. I'll tell you that it's something a little bit different, and we're really. I think that's why we're so excited. It is different. It's um. It's got all the elements of a of a good Andrews and Wilson novel, but it's just got this other element that was fun and exciting for us as writers. Uh, to delve into. So I like it. And I like that you guys, you have to re-energize. You guys have been writing for a while now and you have two different series. Well, now three, um, how many different publishers are you guys working with? Four, four different. So four different publishers, four, four series. Yeah. Four well, series. no, we have, um, we're, we're sort of consolidating. We have three publishers. We work with Putnam, uh, and the amazing Tom Colgan over there. Uh, on the Web Griffin series, Presidential Agent, our first installment of that coming in December. We work with um, Tyndale House on this series, this new series, Shepherds, that we're so excited about. We had been with Thomas and Mercer in the past, as you know. We now are at Blackstone for Sons of Valor and excited that uh, Blackstone has picked up the, the Tier 1 series as well. So uh, Tier 1 and Sons of Valor over there, as well as some other things that we'll be announcing in the coming year so. More things. Uh, we, we really it's need busy. to get a movie. It, can it's we, busy. I'm not going to lie to you. Can we get a TV show going here? I need to get more input. I need a more uh, stimulation. Let's 
Let's drop the the bomb on on Jason. Yeah. Tell him that that Dark yeah. Intercept was option for television. Oh, t- there we go. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. Perfect options. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, if you need that law enforcement consultant in the background, you know where to find them. <laughs> we do know where. We <laughs> might just need that. Yeah, as you read this book, you'll see there would definitely be a role for that. Awesome. Gentlemen, you guys are doing a lot of things. What's what's let's talk about downtime. You know, while we're recording this, it's a four-day Labor Day weekend for me. Can you guys take a mental break? And what do you do for a mental break? You're you're putting the, the keyboard down, you're putting the notebooks down. We're not talking about family time. We're talking about what does Jeff and Brian do separately for themselves, even if it's 15 minutes. For me, I got working out and that's about all the time I have for try to keep my, I sit in this chair all day long, you know, and I I can't waste away. So I gotta, I gotta, you know, undo the eight hours of sitting. And then, uh, but you know, I know you said don't go there, but I gotta go, you know, any other spare time I have, I devote to the family because they're very, um, I'm blessed that they support me in this career and they let me do this and spend a lot of time, um, working. So I try to give them all that time back. I love to cook. Jeff's a great cook too. So I love cooking great meals, especially the weekends, a great time to do that, throw together a big old, you know, homemade family dinner. And, um, that's sort of my downtime. Yeah. I'm, I'm boring. Mine sounds very much like his and Jason, you, you know, the three of us have been friends, you know, us pretty well, you know, family is everything to us. It's one of the things mm-hmm. that drew us to each other as friends as, and then eventually co-authors. Um, but you know, like Brian, I try to work in some time to work out. And then, uh, most of the rest of my time is, is family time. There's church stuff that I do leading the ministry at the, the military ministry, as you know. Um, but my family's so involved in the church as well, but family time is my favorite time. I'll tell you my favorite, favorite time is when we're able to get our two families together. And over the last year and a half, we haven't done that right. Because of all that has been going on. So we've got a big trip. It seems like it's forever away, but it's really just a few months away. Uh, the, the Andrews and Wilson clans are going to get together for a week long vacation out West. And, uh, I think that's going to be the best downtime of all. Let's, uh, let's call it the Wilson and Andrews clan. Cause you know, it's always Andrews and Wilson. Let's talk about the Wilson and Andrews clan. We'll flip it on its head for, for alternate events. How about that? There yeah, we go. He, um, he, he convinced me somehow at the beginning of this that 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 branding was just alphabetical order but i think that wasn't what it was at Mm -hmm. all (laughs) Uh uh-huh you know let's uh, all about it's all about alphabetical order it is (laughs) uh gentlemen this is going to be probably one of the most important questions you're going to get in a while and the reason i'm going to ask you this question is because i had a really cool interview with uh some guys about a zombie movie lately so you have three options here Okay. okay Three options. Zom- we're going to go with standard zombies, headshots, um, and they, they're attracted to sound. Okay. You have a thousand rounds of, and you have a 1022, a Ruger 1022. No silencer. You have an M4 with uh, the best silencer in the world, but you only have 80 rounds and you have optics. Or you have a shotgun with unlimited rounds. Jeff, you get to pick one, and whatever you don't pick, Brian has to pick the other two. Well, in the in the video game, it's always the shotgun with the unlimited rounds. I notice my son plays this this one zombie game <laughs> on his phone, and that that seems to 
the only way to really stay alive is have the unlimited ammo with the shotgun. Although those, the, the zombies tend to get back up again. I will tell you that just from a personal standpoint, I'm most comfortable and effective on an AR platform. Uh, so I would probably take the, the slick optics and the, and the M4. Do you said there's no silencer on it though? Huh? No, the silencer has the M4. Oh yeah. Then for sure. That's where I'm going. Okay, Brian, you're up. No, then I'll take the shotgun. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm going with the 1022. Okay, We're, I'm we always going to go with the 1022. Our team is built don't... out, and I would have picked the 1022 right off the bat because it, it it's not as loud as both of the other ones. Well, you know, obviously with the silencer, it's it's definitely louder than that. But you know, we're we're talking zombies, so they're probably decaying a bit. So we got to do a headshot, and the skull cap is probably not that good. My little 1022 is going to, boom, pop them off. So we sit there have, all day long. Ping, you ping, have, ping. You have yeah. really thought this through, my friend. You have I have. really, really I have. thought this through. <laughs> a little too much. Uh, you know, gentlemen. I never really found zombies to be that scary until The Walking Dead came out. Mm-hmm. And it's it's because of their slow persistence you know they never tire that's the thing with the zombies right mm-hmm. they're not a smart enemy but they're a persistent enemy and eventually they wear you down right that's sort of the thing with them yeah the army of the dead one kind of freaked me out too this new one is because they run so fast and you're yeah like, Whoa, i can't deal with that yeah that's not a true zombie movie. No, I don't think so either. Because mm-hmm. the one thing about the walking dead too is like they could just be like laying in a field and you'd be like oops they're like landmines yeah <laughs> you walk in the water they're, they're popping up all over the place oh yeah. yeah but seriously think about it uh zombies you know they're they're out there <laughs> gentlemen <laughs> when does dark when can we expect dark intercept september 7th september 7th okay we're gonna get this make sure everybody gets this podcast before september 7th um and thank you and thank your publishers for sending out some arcs we were able to get them out to the people from the protectors book club Yay. And gentlemen, I really look forward to following this and seeing where it goes on TV. Thanks, Jason. It was great talking to you, man. Hey, and if you guys, any of the fans out there listening to this podcast for the first time, make sure to follow the protectors. And uh, while you're at it, you know, mosey over to Anders-Wilson.com and sign up for our newsletter. Absolutely. That is where it's at. Uh, we're talking about it in newsletters. Check out Andrews and Wilson on all the social media platforms as well. Let's boost up those numbers.